Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Welcome to episode 222. This week, we have the crustacean plaguing Georgia Southern, a demolition you can smell, the 24-7 that wasn't, telecom companies complain, and the old guy, old white guy lawsuit. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. Hello, Dave. Howdy, howdy. How are you? Oh, just swell. How are you? Oh, happy, happy. It's summertime. Mm-hmm. Work is keeping you busy? It is. It is. Uh, banging my head against the wall, trying to trying to uh, get everywhere I need to be, get all the, the parts and materials I need, then find the labor. Well, as of the show drops, we're supposed to have, like, insane record-breaking heat. Woo! So, no pressure or anything, but keep up the great work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard not, it's hard not to be popular as the AC guy in Georgia in the summertime. Well, so you're yeah, I mean you're the white knight. I am, I am, and then as soon as September gets here, they forget who I am. <laughs> At least my mommy loves me. Of course. <laughs> so, what fresh hell is this? Jessica, what the hell is the barnacle? Well, you know, Georgia Southern seems to always find their way on the podcast with some of the most ridiculous stories um, or terrible reasons. But last week, we found out that they're um, going to purchase, or they've purchased, I think, two of them, but um, they're going to start testing the effectiveness of this device um, that they can put on the cars of campus drivers who have not paid parking tickets, and they can do it anytime, day or night. And it's this thing called a barnacle, and the parking staffer installs it on your windshield um, if you've received too many parking tickets. And it has suction cups on it, so you you can't do anything. Like you can't pull it off, and it's not just like, um, like a, a shower hook to you know adhere to something. It has thousands of pounds of pressure behind it, and if you try to take it off, you set off an alarm, and the GPS tracks you, and all kinds of things. Um, and the only way to get it is basically like a boot, but you you technically like could still drive if you hung your head out the window, whereas with a boot on your vehicle, you know, you, the wheels won't turn. But, um, yeah, it's a money-making mechanism. And you know me. I filed an open records request to find out how much these things have cost. I haven't heard back yet, but I'm, I'm dying to know because, first of all, have you, have you ever heard of this? Uh, not until not till I read the story and, and I actually watched the uh – I guess the, the Savannah news, news broadcast on it, whether it demonstrated it. Yeah. So, I mean, I hadn't heard of it either. And so my whole thing is, is, you know, how much money are you going to? I know they get a lot of money in parking fees, which and I, I'm sure somewhere you would like to assume that someone somewhere was thought this was cost effective to the extent that 
it will pay for itself in the fines, like that it will be worth it. But of course, it's government, so you never know. Well, <clears throat> to give anybody uh, an idea, it's like a large briefcase, but mm-hmm. but thicker. And then you kind of, un you know, it has a hinge in the middle. It has two great big suction cups on it. And they are protected. They're one uh, at, towards the middle of it. And then they have metal around them. So the first thing I thought was suction cup. All you have to do is break the break the vacuum. Mm-hmm. And and you know leave it laying in the grass, but it's it's pretty pretty well protected. Um, after now you can pay your fine twenty four seven with this thing. It has a yeah, uh, it has like a keypad on it. Has a keypad. Has a uh, scanner thing, the QR code scanner thing. So you scan it with your phone. It'll take you to the site. Uh, you pay your fine, and then it gives you a code, and you pop the code in, into the into this thing. It unlocks itself from your windshield you fold it up and then you're you're responsible to go and drop it off not only do you have to pay your fine but you have to return it to a drop box or face hundred dollars in fines or have to pay to replace the damn thing what if the fines are unjustified well that and then my thing was what's their plan if you can't afford to pay the fine I guess the car sits there and continues to rack up more fines. Um, I guess, I, I guess it's a, and this isn't anything again. I, I, I guess I don't deal with a whole lot of parking in the context that this is, but Barnacle is also the name. The company is Barnacle parking. Um, and they have, you know, a full-on website of how they um, have their what kinds of products this, this the universities can I, well I guess anybody could um, employ but I mean when you Google them there's there's articles like parking at the University of Oklahoma was a lot about to get a lot more expensive before these kids school. Um, they, I guess they beat it. So there was a news article on how they beat it. Um, it's it's massive, and you know the the I have a less problem with the company because you know, they're just being innovative. Uh, it's functionally no different than booting somebody's car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's more with the with the municipalities because there's there's no way to. To argue your fines. So, with did in the video, did they say how much the fine is? No. In o- University of Oklahoma, they didn't say it in the article either, which you know, so it happens with other news. But um, in the in the oh, in Oklahoma, at the University of Oklahoma, it was a hundred eighty five dollar fine to get it, rem- or um, excuse me, a hundred eighty five dollar fee um, to get it removed, which is not inclusive of anything with regard to your outstanding tickets. But I'll just go ahead and say this because that's what this show is all about. Um, They said that all you have to do is run your vehicle's windshield defroster for 15 minutes, then use a credit card or similar thin piece of plastic to release the suction cup around the edge. Presto, you're free from fees. Obviously, they know where they put it, but I mean, still, like, F the system. Come on now. What? Yeah, uh you're right. It, 
you heat the air, the 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 air expands and pop, it, it should come right off. Now, I don't think it's as easy as getting a credit card to it because I think it sits pretty close to the glass. But yeah, if you have a, I don't know, a window scraper or something like that, you can, you can get under there. Because uh, like I said, the suction cups are towards the middle from what I could tell. They're several inches away from from the edge. <clears throat> but yeah, run run the heat, in, the heat in the vehicle. Of course, that all depends on the temperature when it goes on. Sure. You know, if, it's, I- if it's 100 degrees outside in South Georgia... You know the the air is already pretty excited. The molecules are already pretty excited when it, when it pulls in. And and there's lots of places that um, use this like beyond uh, universities. And the company, I, I know you said you don't have a problem with the company, but the company, like you go to their website and they talk about the motorist hours saved, the operator hours saved, and the gallons of fuel saved, which are all upwards of, you know, 85,000 hours and gallons. Um, because I guess you're not sitting around waiting for a boot, but again, there's a cost to that. If someone's like, sure, there are people who don't pay their parking tickets because they don't want to, but there are people who don't pay their parking tickets because they can't. Yeah, the the only advantage of this be, being uh, the way it is is if it's two o'clock in the morning, you don't have to wait till seven to get somebody out there to remove a boot. You can t- you can do it yourself. So I I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna if that is the end all be all. I guess it's better than having uh, police interactions where you get stopped for outstanding uh, parking tickets based on a, a a license plate scanner. I don't know. And and is it I mean do boots boots have the opportunity to hurt your vehicle, right? I reckon. So I mean, I guess although, I mean I don't know. I don't know. Some the So yeah, so does this. I mean, yeah. it gets if uh if, if it's it, too it, cold? Yeah, it gets, it gets too cold and it, it continues that that air continues to contract and you crack the uh the uh, uh the windshield. Yeah, that that that's that's a possibility. I'm sure they've they've explored it. And they're doing it in Oklahoma. I'm sure the uh, that the temperature ranges in Oklahoma are are, are uh, would be a pretty good test ground before it'd be a problem in Statesboro. Yeah. Well, you can see it and you can smell it. Georgia City demolishes homeless camp called a health hazard. Or I guess you could see it. You could smell it. Um, we've talked about homelessness and the government's responsibility for a long time on the show. But um, recently the city of Macon went through and cleared out a homeless camp. Um, They had a week prior told the residents of what they're referring to them as that they um, had to leave because there was a sanitation problem and they had open fires near gas stations. Now, of course I don't, I'm certainly no expert on um, the city of Macon's geographical stuff, but like the whole proximity to a gas station is odd to me because there's a private property issue there. Like, I don't know how close, I don't know. I I thought that was a poor reason, but um, the camp was along the river for obvious reasons. And um, they 
told everybody to go and, you know, these are people who have all their belongings and shopping carts are on the back of bikes. And um, I guess there were some private organizations that um, helped move belongings. But like, I think this is the case everywhere right now. Shelters are very full and they don't have enough room for everybody. Um, and, and some people who are homeless don't want to go to a shelter, no matter how hot or cold it is. So they're just going to relocate somewhere else. And um, Well, most shelters won't let you do drugs. Sure, but not so, every homeless person does drugs. No, but if, if that's, a, that's a, a very good reason for not wanting to go to a shelter. Sure. Because most shelters are, are faith-based. And, you know, you're not going uh, to smoke meth uh, at, at must ministries. No. <clears throat> and, if, and, 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 of course, they're, they're overflowing. Uh, when You can start lining up, I don't know, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And, 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 and there's a homeless shelter very close to one of my supply houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's an encampment across, in the parking lot of one of my supply of the supply house because it's right across the street from Must Ministries. But, you know, their beds are full. If they open their doors at three or four, whatever it is, their beds are full by six. And then you have to be, you have to be out at seven or something, something like that in the morning. I think they, they may feed, feed them breakfast and then it's get out, go find a job. So, you know, you can't, you can't set up, you can't be there. Their idea is not to be there permanently. And everybody gets a fair chance the next day to, to stay in the shelter. I, was it I on, know. my thing is, is though, was the... Was the homeless camp on private property or was it on public property? Because the story doesn't tell us. No, none of the stories really say. And I feel like if it was on city property, they would have been clear about that. Um, But it's interesting that the Macon Bibb County government kind of just because they were it says that they were like it was a between downtown in i-16 um but i feel like that matters like don't you think they would have said it was city property if it was city property yeah because that's what that's the topic that we've talked about on the show is whether or not there is a and i guess not a right but a whether or not this a local government can tell people it cannot post up on public property well, and how much, uh, how much can you tolerate with with human waste going into the river uh, untreated or or piling up on public property or or you know, and, and it could be state property. It, it could be you know whatever. It's obviously not federal, or else we'd hear the hear it coming from the federales. Uh, so you really don't know what property is if it's private. Absolutely. If if the the landowner's like, hey, can you help me clear this land? They're destroying it. Well, uh, if the landowner asked the government to do it, then absolutely not. Because, I mean, that's a violation of the state constitution and the gratuities clause. Like, you can't just interject and and assume that cost. You can get them to dispossess them. I I, I guess. Dispossess the individuals. They, in one of the other articles um, that was slightly longer than the... AP News one, there was a reference to um, the 
than being on the other side of a tree line from a gas station. And again, you know, is that like from all the pictures, there is a lot of space. I don't see a gas station or anything on one of the sides. There is a, um, I don't know what you would, I guess like a, a thick tree line and there's a fence. And I know that a fence certainly isn't going to stop a fire, but like you can tell that there is substantial distance between it. The thing that yeah. I find interesting though, is the, the, that, the, the, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say the thing that I find interesting is that prior to like pictures that are from before the bulldozer coming in and leveling this place, there are Macon County or Macon Bibb County trash cans and other things with the county's, logo on it which means that for some period at least to some extent they condoned the camp well the uh the fires being near the 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 gas station is a stupid excuse because you could if you live next to a gas station and you wanted to to put a fire pit in your backyard there'd be no problem so that's that's a, a a fairly weak excuse uh, and I know we, we get the, the heartstrings part of the story. A woman talks about she's got a little shanty that she puts up uh, and she was taking it down and moving ahead, ahead of the, uh, the bulldozers. But it's it's a uh, it's it's a tough subject to deal with because what what are you supposed to do with them? You know, it's, it's very nimby. It is. And. It's a problem that's only going to get worse with everything that's going on. I mean, inflation, high costs of basic necessities, a housing crisis. I mean. And I think that charities hurt. Uh, I don't, by logic would dictate, I don't have any data to support it, but, but when your, your grocery budget doubles, and your gas budget doubles, but your salary doesn't. What's what is what normally you may have given to must ministries or to homeless shelters that all suffers. Well, you said you don't have any data to back it up, but just like, you know, it's kind of like how animal shelters in 08 and 09. I mean, the influx of people giving up their animals because they just couldn't afford everything that comes along with it. It's the same thing. Um, I mean, people, some of us don't understand how people could get rid of an animal um, in a time like that. But for some people, that's the decision they have to make. And so it's the, it's the same concept. Like your charitable giving, that's not, it's not, that certainly isn't rocket science. I think that's like one of the foundations of conservatism, fiscal conservatism too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And look, even, you know, I know it's a, I mean, it's based on a true story, but w- when you watch um, the, the movies about the 20s, uh, Cinderella Man, and people were giving their kids up during the Depression, sending them off to better off relatives or whatever, because they literally could not afford to feed them. So, sure. you know, the the pet thing has to be a, a hard decision. Look, I had a elderly dog. I mean, she was just shy of her 18th birthday. Uh, and it was very expensive to maintain her. Mm-hmm. Even before all, all the inflation, it, I mean, her pills were were a couple hundred bucks a month. 
Right. That's not ideal for a lot of people. Yeah, and prescription prescription dog food. Um, yeah, and I say luck is not luckily. You know, we we've tried to have kids and, and didn't. Uh, but if if things got tight and it, it comes down to you know, uh, two hundred dollars for for uh, for pills for the dog, or you know, putting food and feeding your kids. That's tough. I mean, it's a tough decision to make, but it's 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 a it's an obvious one. But anyway, yeah, uh, I don't. I, that's one of those things that it's going to be get worse before it gets better. I mean, look if. It, well, they're just going to go somewhere else. That's a, that's what I guess. I mean, I'm not saying that that was maybe that wasn't the right location, and I, I'm not doubting that it was a problem and and smell and sanitation and all these things. I hear you, but you bulldozing a community is not going to put these people on better financial footing. So no, but it puts them somewhere else. It's the same idea of putting uh, those sharp angled things under bridges so people can't go sleep under the underpass. Yeah. Same but idea. It and I hear you, but you know, like these people aren't terribly mobile. There's 153,000 people in the city of Macon, not even considering the county. I mean, the consolidation and everything. And I don't know what the um, like square area is, but I would venture to say that you're not just going to like tip them. You're, they're still going to be in your backyard, I guess, is where I'm going with that. But Right. They're, yeah, it's, it's not like they're going to pick up and move to Spokane. Right. So speaking of bums. Oh, man. So <laughs> last, well, yeah, last week, last weekend, um, after we had recorded the show, there was a murder in the city of Guyton. And I obviously have pray, play, <clears throat> excuse me, pay pretty close attention to Guyton and um, have a lot of contacts there in all different kinds of capacities. But I found out pretty early on in the investigation, the, the man was um, gunned down in his front yard. He was a corrections officer. Effingham has a, um, a prison that is through... GDC, but it's adjacent to the sheriff's office, so it's all right there um, with the sheriff's office and the. But it's like a prison, prison work camp, that kind of thing, lower security. But he was a corrections officer. Um, I think it was four forty-five in the morning when the call came through. He was gunned down. Um, they said it was an isolated incident, which leads me to believe that it. I mean, it was a hit or extremely personal. Um, wasn't his wife. She was the one that was there. She, she called, someone called 911. She was giving CPR. Um, but what is so tragic about this is that, um, aside from the loss of life, is that the department has been in the midst of all of their chaos and nonsense that they've been peddling. They've told everyone that for the last eight months, I guess, they have been a 24-hour police department, which, you know, usually when you become a 24-hour police department, you tell people, hey, we're now operating 24 hours. They hadn't done that. Um, they just put the news out in May and uh, when amidst criticism and accountability from yours truly and my friend Andy. But um, they said they've been running 24-7. Well, as it turns out, 
they were the last ones on scene um, the morning of this shooting. And normally that, you know, I think that's always an issue if you're the last agency on scene. Um, but it's even more so when the Guyton Police Department or Guyton, the city Guyton city limits are 3.2 square miles. Um, city Hall is basically in the middle. Police Department's basically in the middle. So, you know, no more than two miles in any direction if you're in the city limits where you're supposed to be while you're working. Um, and I believe it was four sheriff's deputies, um, the fire department and EMS all arrived on scene before the chief arrived in his plain clothes, white pants, white shirt. Um, and it was at least 45 minutes before a uniformed Guyton police officer showed up on the scene. Now, could they have prevented it? Probably not. I mean, like, that's not that's not what I am suggesting. But, you know, if you're going to claim that you are 24-7 and you are going to budget like you're 24-7 and you're going to spend like you're 24-7, um, you know, if you're if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you should have been there within two minutes. And Effingham County is massive by square miles and um they're in zones. So like not everyone's just huddled around in a certain area. The deputies are in zones and they all made it there before Guyton. And it's just disgusting. Now <clears throat> you won't know until you get an open records request on it. But the, the only other excuse I could think of would be say the one Guyton officer they had on duty that day was responding to a domestic. No, that's not the case. Um, we when we when I filed for the when I started, I was told this on Saturday. So by the time Monday rolled around, I had planned out and mapped out all of the open records things I was going to do. And I filed for all the radio traffic. There was no radio traffic for the Guyton Police Department at all after midnight on Saturday morning. Um, they. There was like there was no traffic stop. There was no premise check. And they're usually on the radio telling dispatch that they're patrolling this neighborhood and they're checking. this. Well, business. I would I would I would hope so. I but mean, just, just for the officer safety. Sure. But they weren't on this night. So for at least for at least a, a five hour period, there was absolutely no traffic. Um, and then, you know, they they won't release work schedules. But. Also, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know people who work for the county. I know people in different departments. I know people who live in Guyton. No one was working. And the paper trail supports that. You know, the GBI, I was able to, there's this thing called a CAD report, which basically it comes from dispatch, but it it's where they like document when someone is notified, dispatched, en route, and on scene, and then when they leave, when they're available again. And when there's an incident, those are all attached to the incident. And there is no Guyton Police Department other than the plain closed chief on the scene at the time the GBI arrives on scene to conduct this investigation. And it's just a travesty because, you know, like you, we all know that there's duty to act law uh, protections and there's you know only so much law enforcement can do that's not the point the point is and, I, and i'm certain like the the people people responsible for this man's death are the people who shot him and and who are you know helped plan or orchestrate or whatever it, i'm certainly not blaming that on the guyton police department um 
but we train our first responders to be able to render aid and secure the scene. I mean, the one deputy showed up on his own um, and cleared the scene so that the fire department and EMS could get on the scene because they are not. I mean, they do what they can, and a lot. Of, I'm sure, we've all seen them break protocol, but they don't just. They if they if they if, the, if they don't know the shooter is there or not. Right. You know they don't. Now, when you say a deputy showed up on his own, was he on duty and heard oh, the yes. call? Yes. Or was he off duty, heard the call, went running over there? No, no. Um, I mean, it was an on duty. They were all on duty until it was started having CID and crime scene people come in and and clear off the scene and or you know barricade it off and shut down the road, but. You know, we're talking about a police department that is asking for $681,000 in tax dollars next fiscal year, starting July 1. And Guyton is a small town. There are violent crimes everywhere. But this is certainly one of the biggest things that has happened there in a very long time. And you didn't even have any resources available to respond when... You know, and to help the situation and to, I mean, and like I said sarcastically on social media when it happened or when the article came out, you know, perhaps that is a blessing because the agency is, they still have no standard operating manual. They don't have policy procedures. I don't think that they are, they they are not trained the same way. And in these low moments of people's lives, I'm not sure if these are the types of people you want showing up. But again, that speaks to the bigger issue that they're running this massive basically pet project and I mean people are dying well I, I, I just, it's to me the now look the 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 murder that was that probably was going to happen one way or the other unless, absolutely. unless an officer just happened to be going by and I know I'm, I'm agreeing with you right just happened to be going by but the fact that this police department uh, will will dedicate four officers to making sure that a, that a little blonde girl uh, doesn't say anything too mean to the mayor oh Eric was there too don't forget they were there to take okay, him sorry. out too if they had to yeah yeah <laughs> and, and, and Eric so they needed four officers for that but and then claimed to be 24 hours. Now, look, I don't know if somebody called in sick. I don't know if uh, somebody had had to go home uh, for, for whatever reason, if somebody was in the covid protocol and they and they had a gap. No idea. But you can't tout yourself as 24 hours if you, you if you can't get a shift covered. Now, the the chief showing up why he said white pants and white shirt. Yeah. To, and, and, they, and, hog? and he knew what it was like he knew it was a shooting he didn't know it was a homicide at the time but he knew it was a shooting you're gonna like I understand that it's the middle of the night you woke up and left but you're gonna show up to a crime scene where there's probably blood in all white uh, well I, 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 I guess I don't understand not throwing on blue jeans boots and at least a, a, a police department a polo yeah. I mean, something. Or, or, George, or not white, like black pants and a black shirt, like not white, <laughs> not white. I don't. Well, I, 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 the, the first thing I thought of was Boss Hog. As soon as you said that, I, I know you're too young to have watched the, the Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. But 
but Sorrell Brooke out there in a, a white on white on white suit and a in a white Cadillac with red interior. Yeah, I I want, I want that Cadillac, by the way. <laughs> well, I just I think it's a travesty. I think I mean I know that. The sheriff's office has a very good reputation in Effingham County. Uh, I mean, of course, there are, I'm sure there are lazy bad apples everywhere that that's always the case or less than perfect people. We are all human. Um, by and large, the sheriff's office is very well respected and Guyton PD, the other municipalities, Springfield and Rankin, they are well respected. I mean, and you're talking about a law enforcement community or a community that is very supportive of law enforcement generally. And they're all just looking around wondering how much longer this all has to go on before, you know. Take half that budget, give it to the sheriff, close the PD. Um, I mean, yeah, technically you don't even have to give them the budget. I know, but but <clears throat> let take that 300,000, let the sheriff's department buy uh, sure. buy hire uh six people out of that. Mhm. And, and put them on the road and the, they are 24 hour. Uh, we, we we've said that before we're talking about Guyton is the, is their budget's totally wasted. They're 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 understaffed, under uh uh underperform. Uh, they're they're obviously uh, run by an uh, uh, egomaniac who uh, can't take criticism from from anyone, and, and how dare you question him? Well, and here's the thing. I mean, I hate that this is how it happened, but on Friday before this all happened, I had said, I mean, I was upset that I had been once again denied from the upset to the extent of like this is obnoxious and annoying not like oh boohoo like not like that but i was frustrated that once again had not been able to be i'd follow the process and they said i couldn't address the council and so i was like i have to find a way to prove that they are lying about this police department because you know, that was the whole basis of the defamation threats against me well then this murder happens and all this stuff just kind of falls into place to easily prove that this is happening. Yeah, but you wish it, you wish it was a speeding ticket, not a murder. Sure. Yeah, but here we are. Um, you know, I lost my train of thought, Dave. <laughs> Your stupid I do that speeding comment. Um, oh, that's a so. But I mean, like, if you were under attack and you were claiming defamation and all these things and that, you know, you have this upstanding police department, I understand that you don't want to release the schedules. I don't agree with you, but if you don't want to release that, wouldn't you show something that shows you are, in fact, 24-7 and to, to back up your claims? And yet they are doing nothing. They say nothing. They don't tell us we're wrong. They don't say they, they'll say like, oh, you're lying or you're just a blogger or, you know, they're not she's not real news or he's just upset because he didn't win his election. Those are the what they the things that they say, but they don't actually ever say that's incorrect. Here's the correct answer. And the same is true with this police department thing right now. Right. Look, if you're not, if you're in public service, you should be happy, more than just willing, but happy. No, here, this is this is where your tax dollars are going. Let me show you where your money's going. 
even the schools try to do it when they when they when they shine their little kids up and put them out there for you know you know out, out in the papers or out on on uh, the internet and and advertise what a good job the schools are doing. They're trying to justify you know that well for us giant increase in tax we're getting uh, between thirty three and fifty percent depending on depending on the house uh, for the schools. Uh, but they're trying to do it. Uh, Guyton seems to be wanting to pull back is tax more and show less. Mm-hmm. So, but this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone, not on the show, or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. So, telecom providers are crying that financial incentives uh, to the Georgia Public Service Commission offered them a year and a half ago uh, to expand broadband service into rural Georgia aren't working. (gasps) (laughs) I am shocked to my No, that wasn't planned. (laughs) Right. No, it wasn't. But um, I I think... It, well, the irony of all of that is not lost on me. But as a side note, I was just talking right before this article came out. I was just talking to someone about grants for broadband expansion um, as it pertains to the federal government administering them and the state. And they were talking about how the state had done so much such a better job. Um, and I think in the context we were talking about, it was with um, telephone companies that had moved into providing broadband not emcs but i think it's just ironic that well it's not ironic i think it's just true to form and very on brand that you know everyone's like oh gosh the federal government is so terrible the state does such a better job but even the job the state does they're like oh my god so bad (laughs) like i'm not i'm certainly sympathetic to the folks that that live in rural Georgia that, you know, yeah, libraries aren't libraries anymore. You know the the ability for uh, for kids to do research at home, uh, for school, the even the way you apply for college now, every, everything's online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm certainly sympathetic to it, but government throwing money at at things just hasn't hasn't started working yet well and you know he said something or um they said something in the article about how i guess you know this i think this was passed in 2020 or 2019 one of the two the legislature passed the whole poll attachment thing but emcs are allowed to charge telecom companies one dollar per year to attach broadband technology to utility poles in areas without broadband service. And then, of course, like, it's just one big subsidy and transfer of money because literally a lot of the telecom companies are getting money from the state and other deals or from the feds, and then they're using that to give to through this program. I mean, it's just it's just one giant government mess. But they're complaining because... It's not that much money, but like it's a poll that's already in place that you don't have to do anything for. Like, and there's a lot of polls. Yeah. 
Ah, uh, you know. And the company still has to pay to put all the equipment on. It's not like, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know. They, they, from the from the telecom uh, point of view, is they're being pushed by the government to go and give broadband service to areas that would not be profitable. You know, you need a certain density to justify uh, that expenditure. And it costs a fortune, whether it's because of government or regulations or whatever. I mean, it costs a fortune. You see the press releases where they're like, yeah, we're, it's going to cost us $1 million to give internet to 500 people or something. Like, it's stupid. But it is. Yeah, it and, is. and meanwhile, technology is passing it by mm-hmm. with uh, Musk's uh, a satellite-based internet, like he sent over to, uh, to Ukraine. Yeah. And as as that stuff becomes more and more prevalent, the idea of having a wire run to your house or run by your house or something like that is, is going to be absurd. Yeah, I, I you know. Now, are you going to be able to get 1080 uh, high def out, out of out of the stuff for, uh, coming from satellite from space? I don't know. Can you research your uh, uh, your essay? Sure. Well, the people, I guess the thing is, like, the, the people who stand to benefit from the incentives are always going to wish there were better and more incentives. I mean, that's just... Right. Give me more. Yeah, this isn't enough. But yeah, uh... uh a million dollars to bring to bring internet to 500 people is a losing proposition. And 20 companies are investing 770 million dollars to bring broadband to different places in 89 of Georgia's counties. Um, the telecommunications company wants the Public Service Commission to consent or to set like additional incentive rates to. I guess, um, bring broadband to more unserved areas. But I don't know why they think the government doing, like, I don't understand why a private company thinks that the government doing that is going to make it go faster, more efficiently, or uh, I don't know. Like like they like they have everything else. Like they're they're outraged at how it's working so far, and so they're like, "Oh, can you you break it harder?" Yeah, yeah. Get more involved, please. Yeah, I mean, and let's not forget that when this bill, I was, I mean, I was against all of it. Like, I don't think we 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 regulate our utilities so awful. I mean, the the Public Service Commission. Not even the proper role of government, but let's not forget that when the bill was introduced, it was like a hundred pages of stuff they wanted to do, and it got whittled down to all you can do is attach pole or attach stuff to poles. So, I mean, and and I'm pretty sure that that was at the lobbying of EMCs and telecoms companies like of course it was you know i mean like so 
we're two years down the road and you're like, oh, well, you did what we wanted, but actually it's not working. So can you, uh, I just. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, like I said before, it, the technology, by the time it gets done, the technology is going to be so passe that it's, they'll be complaining that wh- why do the rural areas only have broadband when, we, when the new technology is this? Uh, I now from the telecom point of view, that million dollars to bring five hundred homes internet doesn't work unless the government gives you the million dollars, and then you can start collecting for those five hundred uh, residents. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's really the only way I think it, it, that that's got to be their business plan is suck as much as they can from the government, expand their their footprint as much as possible, and then get get their hand, handouts from. Uh, from the government, so essentially expand their foot footprint for free, as far as they're concerned. Yeah. So we have the white guy case against AT and T. It can move forward according to the judge. So, inter- interesting case because it's it's I think the it's kind of mislabeled a little bit with white guy. Because this goes into more than than the racial aspect of it. Because I think the guy's in his sixties. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's he filed EEOC and discrimination stuff on like three factors, right? Age, race, and gender. Probably. I mean, is there anything else? Oh yeah. I mean, we have all kinds of classes these days. Yeah, that's true. Except so, like, man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Joseph De Benedetto, a Georgia resident who worked for two decades as an assistant vice president inside the company's tax research department, uh, filed an age, gender, and race discrimination lawsuit against AT&T after being laid off in the fall of 2020. Uh, his complaint claimed that his job was eliminated so the company could fill upper management roles with people of color. Uh, AT&T obviously contested that does, it. That does happen. I mean, companies are doing that, so... Well, it, it, it does. And look, I sat in a meeting, this is a long time ago, uh, when I, when I was in business banking at Wachovia, I was in uh, Gainesville. My office was in Gainesville, and I was in a uh, um, an officer's meeting. And the the president of the bank looked around and said, we need to look more like the, the communities we, we represent. So and it's not that he was threatening to fire any of us and, and replace us with, with – uh, with people of color. Uh, at the time, Gainesville was very heavily Hispanic. And now that we had Hispanic employees, none, none of us, none of the people on the board in mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Gainesville, Hall County, was Hispanic. It was a bunch of uh, white guys and my boss, who is, who is a, a white woman. I assume she still is. Mm-hmm. But... Saying that you should, rep- you should look like the area that you represent is a little different from forcing people out to replace them with minorities. And I guess the reason, I mean, here's my thing. I'm glad that the judge said the case could move forward because that's why the story is making headlines right now is because 
the, the judge said that the case can go ahead and proceed because AT&T tried to get it thrown out. My thing is, is we let all kinds of protected class lawsuits and, and complaints go forward all of the time. And I think it would be completely irresponsible to stop this one. Right. <clears throat> and... and- this is not saying that the case has merit. It's not saying that that the which way the case is going to go. All all the judge said is that this gentleman is due his day in court. He is a fifty eight year old white guy. Spent most of his career with AT and T. Um, of course, they claim he was a high performing employee until the company decided they wanted more people of color. He was in a department that they, that was not doing well and that they were reducing positions. He claims that he was uh, or is qualified for one of the open positions to move to. And that, that's very common when you reduce a, a department that instead of putting people on the street, you absorb them into other departments. Uh, but he, he didn't get it. And apparently he was kind of pulled aside and told, look, you're you're an old white guy. You're you're towards <laughs> the end of end of your career. Oh, uh, they they're looking for somebody. I, I I can't remember what the quote was, but essentially somebody with more tread on the tires, more more miles to go before before they retire in that position. When are companies going to learn to stop talking about this? Like. Like in board meetings and stuff like that and and on the back end of stuff, like why don't they stop discussing it? Well, that's how people get called, isn't it? They can't keep the mouth shut. Now, whether this was this other person's opinion or maybe he was consoling the guy like, look, man, don't get your hopes up too high. You know, you're an old white guy. Uh, they're they're looking for younger uh, pro- people of color, women to fill these roles, and you you really don't fit the box. Now, I don't, whether or not that person was speaking on be, uh, with knowledge of the situation of within within AT and T corporate, or if it's his observation as another old white guy who was retiring, and I think this this, uh, this guy was getting ready to retire himself, is like and to say, hey, look, you're a dinosaur. Uh, you you know go go take your go take your package and you know your your severance package your retirement package and 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 go somewhere else as advice or if he was speaking based on knowledge that he had from another meeting that he heard someone say yeah we're not going to give it to him because he's 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 too too old and white yeah so I, that and of course that 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 all get will get heard in court because you cannot fire people to make way for quotas no. Nor should you. I mean, whether whether your intentions are good or not. I mean, yeah, I I hear you about. I mean, there's there's been there's plenty of corporations that will phase people out and offer severances early simply to bring in um, new eyes and and things like that. And and lower salaries. Sure. Absolutely. There's lots of reasons. Um, But. In some cases, you still can't give up or can't fail to acknowledge, I guess, the institutional knowledge that comes with a a longer tenured employee. Um, And so, you know, the age. 
the and age that's been part the has argument never, for a hundred years. Yeah, and and the the age argument for me is always one of, I mean, I think that gender and just like I think I, I would never want a job because of my gender, I would. I, I think it's disgusting that we pick people simply on the basis of their race, but the age thing bothers me the most because. Okay, so they they might not. I mean, they might not be the most proficient person at you know PowerPoint or Excel or something. But I guarantee you, they bring a a, a different type of institutional knowledge, whether it be just on the community relations or the business professionalism. I mean, younger people are less professional. Yeah, and uh, the the quote is. Uh uh, not enough runway left uh, in his career. And this was his boss, his boss who was retiring and said, you're qualified to take my job, but you're not going to get your own, you know, white guy with not enough runway left in your career. Again, this is it, multiple things can be true. That may very well be true. It could also be that this guy had no, the boss that was leaving had no intimate knowledge of the hiring practice of why they weren't going to give it to them. It could just be two old white guys griping about being two old white guys. Uh, now, look, my uh, maternal grandfather was fired from his job uh, a year short of retirement back in the 60s or whatever it was. So they didn't have to pay his retirement. Mm-hmm. This, the, you know, this, is, this is a pra- practice that goes back you know, a long, long time, uh, which is not to say it's right. And I, I'm with you. I mean, the... We 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 said it all the time in the army when they were do when they were forcing out uh, guys with with you know sixteen seventeen eighteen years short of their twenty year to get retirement uh, just to save that retirement you know you you were losing you're losing real experience you know and in, in, in the case of the army you're losing guys with real field experience you know that, that when I came in there the era I came in a lot of these guys were Vietnam vets that were being forced out. Um. And and you you lose that experience certainly you do, but you know whether it was for age, whether it was for for gender or for for race, I what's interesting to me is I think now that it's allowed to go forward, he may just take a a settlement and go away because AT and T certainly has the money to to make it go away and not have not have the press that like Wells Fargo is getting right now for uh, false interviews. Meaning that they've already decided who they're going to hire, but they go ahead and hire, uh, go ahead and interview everybody else. Mm-hmm. And again, how does that get to be public? Someone talks. Right. And anybody who's hired anybody has, has had to do that. You've got five interviews scheduled, but like the second person impressed you so much. Like that's the bar you're going to have to pass is I, that that's the person I want. But I have to do these other interviews because they're scheduled. Everybody's done it. You just don't talk about it. It'll be interesting to see where this one goes because it's the the white the white male is just usually not your traditional suitor. <laughs> well, and jury selection will be key on that. If it actually goes to a jury trial, or in fact, they may ask for a bench trial. Because yeah. there's a there's a there's a lot of baggage that goes in with a lawsuit saying a white male because it's uh, it's gonna be hard to unprogram the the jury pool. Yeah, to, I mean, to not believe that 
You might have a white woman who lost out to a, a, a male or had a male talk down to her for years. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much. You might think you're on the right track there and not so much. Yeah. Or you've got a, a sympathetic person who's who's a black person on the jury who'd be like, who's like, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. I've had the, I've had a boss have the same conversation with me years ago, and he doesn't get selected based on his race. It, it's it's a. Uh, it's a tough one to put before a jury, but I also think that ATT may just settle, make it go away. That would be the wise thing to do, I think. Yeah, they could offer the guy seven figures and uh, and reinstate his retirement or whatever and just, here, just go away and keep it out of the press. Mm-hmm. So, Jessica, as we're winding down, you have any closing thoughts? Oh, boy. So, Floyd County Schools up in northwest Georgia – they were the subject of a um, cyber attack recently. That was their own fault. They wired $200,000 to a fraudulent bank account, and they said it was an accident. And they filed a report with the Floyd County Police. They were able to get the money back. Um, I think the it was the BOE, the total amount was $194,000, and, and they thought that it was associated with the Ben Hill Roofing Company, who they had contracted with to do some work on the high school. Um, and they received a, a, an email saying like, Oh, we need um, a direct deposit wire transfer or whatever. And the school district didn't like follow up or anything. They just sent the money and then <laughs> it was yeah, I mean, fake. Who's, who's running the, the, uh, the finances over there. Is it like some, 80-year-old woman who believes that she must have a distant relative in Nigeria? I don't know. But um, they're saying that they it was an isolated incident because of the cybersecurity measures they've put in place. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it wasn't a, it wasn't a breach of security. It was demassery. And they said... They said it was an, an isolated incident and that it went to a bank in Texas and then was moved between banks or bank accounts. But um, $5,338 is still missing. Well, then it's not isolated. <laughs> like, right. Super. Super government, just government being awesome. And that's your money at work. Mm-hmm. And don't think because I live down wherever, that's not my money. It, how much state and federal funds go into to uh, that school district. So no matter where you are in the country, if you pay taxes, at least a fraction of your taxes went to this this uh, municipality who doesn't understand they do not have a cousin who's a prince who recently died. Correct. <laughs> uh, my other thought real quick is I couldn't go on this trip. I'm a member of the uh, Governmental Affairs uh, Committee with the Paulding County Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they go to D.C. Well, every year that wasn't uh, wasn't locked down in D.C. and meet with the the reps. And usually the senators send their their staffers, their chief of staff or whoever over to meet as many problems as I have with Warnock and Ossoff. And I don't like either one of them. They showed up in person to meet with the chamber and Paulding County is uh, the chamber is overwhelmingly white overwhelmingly conservative and overwhelmingly business owners, which are, you know, the conservative business owners are not typically, you know, Warnock and Ossoff voters, but they showed up and they were gracious and had, and had the, the chamber rep representatives in their offices 
And that is something that was certainly missing from Purdue. Absolutely. That, you know, it, look, it, Warnock will show up in a hostile environment, and he's one of those guys where politically, I don't like him at all. Like, we don't agree on anything. We're not going to be buddies. But he can he can walk into what would be a hostile, a hostile environment politically and go and shake people's hands. And, and and stand there, smile, and take pictures with him, and all that stuff. I was actually shocked to see with the pictures how short Warnock is and how tall Ossoff is. They weren't standing next to each other, but I could just tell based on, you know, I know how tall everybody else is on the committee. Oh, I'm not going to comment, but thank you for that. <laughs> so. Pass. <laughs> pass. So, with that. A big thank you to Eric Company, who has got a large job ahead of him this week with editing. Uh, for Jessica Salaji, my part of this endeavor, I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, I've been running from the law. Hope they won't shoot me down soon. Catch me howling at the moon